Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our scripture is taken from the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, which says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. This is a wonderful scripture that has quite a contrast between those of us who are being saved and those who are lost. We've been delivered from the power of darkness. We've been delivered from evil. We've been delivered from Satan's control in our life. And we've been transformed by the blood of Christ and the work that he did on the cross into his own kingdom. It's a wonderful transition that takes place in this verse, that those who are lost can be found, that there's a second power, a more powerful power, the Holy Spirit and God the Father drawing people to himself and God the Son doing the work of redemption on the cross of Calvary and shedding his own blood and paying for the debts for our sins and the power of his love as it comes into a person's life and it transforms them and draws them and they say yes to the Holy Spirit and they become believers in Jesus Christ. What a great transition takes place when a person is born again. Rock of ages cleft for me Let me hide myself in Thee Let the water and the blood From Thy wounded side which flow The double cure Save from wrath And make me pure While I draw This fleeting breath When my Thank you for listening to this month's report from the mission field. Suppose you have questions about this ministry. Please write media at missiongo.org. Or visit our website at www.missiongo.org. Dear friends, rejoice with us. Mission Go's Mokanji Clinic is shining, quite literally, as a bright beacon of hope. Over the past year, by God's provision through you, We finished our solar panel project which is now bringing power to our clinic. No longer are we delivering babies by flashlights and headlamps. No longer are our medical staff binding up cuts and burns in the shadows. We even have a refrigerator that houses numerous medicines at the correct temperatures. Praise Jesus! The ability to use power has transformed the way we minister to Sierra Leoneans in the African bush, and the word is spreading. In addition to the hundreds we already see at the clinic each month, 
more are coming with their medical emergencies because it's becoming known that our clinic has power. The more that come, the more we see a more extensive range of symptoms and trauma. With the demand rising, there is a new expectation that we provide an elevated level of care. Every week, we treat malaria, ulcers, hernias, and worms. Child malnutrition, heartburn, pneumonia, and colds are also common. Every Wednesday, mothers receive pregnancy-related care, around 150 women each month. We deliver babies if there are no significant complications. On Fridays, we hold an immunization clinic. Our clinic constantly saves lives to the glory of God, yet we are seeing a great need to prepare and equip our medical facility to handle more critical care. Currently, our clinic cannot handle surgery. With our numbers growing as the word spreads, we reflect on Jesus' reminder, for everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed, of him, they will ask the more. Luke 12:48b. We have power. Now, our next major step is to purchase equipment to be ready for the medical cases we are now observing. Our compound manager has renovated the west wing for the surgical space needed for this endeavor. The room is ready, all we need now are the resources to fill it. There will also be space for a laboratory to allow for diagnostic testing. The nearest hospital is two hours away. The next one is four hours to the hospital in the capital. We recently had a man come to us after a horrific accident. Instead of stabilizing and preparing him for surgery at our clinic, we had to send him to the hospital, delaying his treatment and driving him through rainy season road conditions. We are receiving more accident victims needing immediate treatment for limbs. Countless times, our missionaries are approached by locals asking why they have left the comforts of their homes in North America to patch their bleeding wounds or to nurture them back to health after malaria. The answer is simple. Displaying the compassion of Christ, the door is open to sharing the good news of Christ. Nationals tell us they have never experienced this type of care. They say many come from foreign lands to convert us, but do not help us. Chiefs of villages, little children even most recently, police officers have come to our missions church after receiving or observing our care given. Our approach is to care for the whole person, both physically and spiritually. Our reach in our area covers a population of over 8,400 nationals, not to mention travelers or nomadic groups. We've seen 80 nationals come to Christ and 24 receive baptism this year. The impact on Christ is substantial. We currently have two community health officers and five nurses at our clinic. We have a number of experienced surgeons from the hospitals who have offered to serve at our clinic on a regular, scheduled basis once we are able to furnish our facility with surgical equipment. Additionally, we have North American doctors who are then willing to take time off to travel to our compound to perform emergency surgeries during their stay. Recruiting surgeons in the future will be easier as well. This month, our missionaries reported meeting a nine-year-old boy who had a hernia that was so large that he had not been to school for a year due to being made fun of because of the disfigurement. The hospital is asking for more than his grandmother can afford. Imagine if we had the proper equipment and surgeons volunteering. Mission Go recently approved two new North American missionary families who will be deploying to Sierra Leone soon. 
It is a difficult calling to be led by the Lord into the jungles of Africa. The laborers are few and the work is challenging, but the spiritual fruit we harvest beckons our hearts to this field that is white and ready. We must seek lost hearts who have never heard Jesus' name. We must pursue meeting their needs physically James 2:15 and 16 because then we can put Christ's love on display. We must continue in this great work because God has called us here. Here at a clinic atop a beautiful hill overlooking miles of untouched African landscape. Here, where the testimony of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is shining bright for thousands to see Matthew 5, 14. Its light cannot be hidden. The total for this project is $40,975 US dollars. A gift of any amount brings this goal closer to reality. Please help us meet the critical need of our emergency and trauma patients with the provision of proper equipment through financial gifts and prayers today. For more information write us at media at missiongo.org. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program. This month, we're offering a wonderful uh, booklet. It's entitled, The Critical Spirit. At the root of a critical spirit often lie insecurities, selfish interests, and an unrenewed mind. For some, critical attitudes are caught from a home life where, where criticism abounds. Let's see one another as the Lord sees us through the compassionate eyes of Jesus Christ. I'm sure if you order, to get this booklet, remember to order your copy. Please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231.
Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson, and the subject is revival. I know that you will enjoy this message very much. Printed copies are available upon request. One day a man asked a boy, Do you pray? No, sir, he replied. I carry a rabbit's foot. The man said to him, If a rabbit's foot is so helpful for you to carry, why didn't it help the rabbit? Well, the boy didn't know what to say, but the man, a Christian man, went on to explain to him that praying really does help because God, who is all-powerful, answers prayer. I want to continue today, Thoughts on Revival. In the last message, I mentioned that revival is the extraordinary work of God producing extraordinary results. Revival is when God draws near and manifests his holy presence. All true revival is about God bringing glory back to his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit through his church. Biblical revival, supremely centered in the person of Christ and dominated by him. Therefore, we begin looking at questions that Jesus asked in the Gospels, questions that will search our hearts about revival and cause us to respond in prayer. There are three prayers we can pray. Habakkuk 3.2, O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. Psalm 85.6, Wilt thou not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? And then Psalm 143, verse 11, Revive me, O Lord, for your namesake. We experience what Charles Finney said when we pray like that. Revival is simply a new beginning of obedience with God. Revival is a time when Christians are restored to their first love for Christ, when sham and hypocrisy are exposed, bitterness and strife are revealed, and changes that affect the lives of true believers in Christ are made so visible that unsaved sinners realize and see that they need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as they see him in the lives of believers who are revived and returned to their first love with fervency. Of course, the great tool that brings revival is prayer in accordance with the scriptures. I want to speak on that today. As we look at the questions Jesus asked, we began with the question concerning our confession of him. Is it real or is it a sham confession? Is it genuine or is it just head knowledge? Is it a heart confession? The question in Matthew 15:16 that Jesus asked is this, Who am I to you? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Flesh and blood has not revealed it to you. You don't have a second-hand faith, Peter. You're not just saying words. You're not repeating something another human being, flesh and blood, told you to say. You're saying something my Father has revealed to you from heart conviction. For a man looks on the outward appearance, but God was looking on Peter's heart. The first question relates to a personal heart relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you a genuine Christian? Are you for real? Now today we look at the question that relates to our communion with him. That question is found in Matthew 26:40. I want to read the verses that precede it and the situation that had de developed just prior to Jesus going to the cross. Can you imagine the weight and the personal agony that he was going through as he approached that for which he had come? The lamb slain from the foundation of the world was now approaching that moment those hours when he would die for the sins of the world, yours and mine, on the cross of Calvary. All the forces of hell were out to oppose him. Jesus went to a place called Gethsemane. Reading now in Matthew 26, verse 36, he took with him his disciples and he said, sit here while I go and pray yonder. 
Then he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and very depressed, and said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, O oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he comes back to the disciples, verse 40, and finds them asleep. And he says unto Peter, here's the question today for you and me, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Then Jesus added, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. What? Could you not pray with me? Could you not watch with me? Could you not agonize with me? Could you not seek the Father with me one hour? It's a question about our communion. Prayer keeps our life on a constant miracle basis. In fact, when we think of prayer and revival, one cannot help but understand something of the tremendous way in which prayer has brought revival in the past. They used to have what is called prayer movements or general awakenings over the past, say, 300 years. George Whitfield, great preacher of the awakening in the early 1700s, encouraged what he called concerts of prayer. People would gather and begin together, openly praying out loud, seeking the face of God. What a beautiful sound it must have been. And they turned it into concerts of prayer. Today, we can get hundreds and thousands of people out to a concert of music. There's nothing wrong with that. Wonderful Christian music that edifies and encourages. But ask people to come out to pray, and you get a handful. Jonathan Edwards, in response to reports of prayer concerts in Scotland back in those days, called on Christians who had already been touched by the general awakenings in the 1730s and 1740s to continue uniting in concerts of prayer until God completed the work which he had begun. Oswald Chambers quotes, Prayer does not just fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Armand Geswin, a man who's written much on prayer, says, We have forgotten that when Christ built his church, he built a prayer meeting. It started with a prayer meeting in the upper room. In fact, in one of his books, Armand Geswin says, Unless we learn to pray and wrestle in prayer, we shall get into the wrong battle and lose the hot battle of words and the class of personalities. The Lord had 120 knockers in prayer. He shut them all up to pray in the upper room. He taught them to do all their knocking in prayer, and then he never had the problem of knocking in his church, of people knocking one another. So prevalent today. How we need revival. We must begin by knocking in prayer. We must quit knocking one another, the pastor, the music, Knocking this and knocking that. What if God were to give spiritual awakening with such depth that every evangelical student on campuses worldwide would begin working with, say, 10 international students? Or what about all the unreached villages and towns throughout many of the continents of the world? Think of what prayer can do to bring revival and stir hearts. In fact, it was F.B. Meyer that said, through the Bible there are golden promises, and they must be uh, given in prayer in order for them to become operative. Matthew Henry says we must turn God's promises into prayer, and then they shall be turned into performances, into concerts of prayer. Wouldn't it be great to see those start today? I would encourage you to get a wonderful audio or video message that Pastor Jim Cimbala of the Brooklyn Tabernacle gave, I believe it was in about 1997, at a praise gathering in Indianapolis, Indiana. 
This message is a remarkable message of great conviction. It's called, My House Shall Be Called a House of Prayer. It will touch your life. It will touch your church. It will get us to understand what God does in answer to prayer, and it will get us praying. I have used that uh, message in meetings in many places, and it has touched hearts deeply. Well, Jesus said, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Here were these disciples with Jesus in a crisis hour just before the cross. He's in agony. In fact, Luke tells us that as he prayed, blood drops fell from his body in the agony with which he prayed. He was facing the redemption of the world, the long-promised Messiah, and the long promise of redemption through the sacrifice, the one sacrifice for sins forever that he was about to make. It was right there on the horizon, and the disciples were too tired. They were sound asleep. And Jesus comes back and asks them, What, could you not watch with me one hour? I wonder today, would you consider your church a great church? If so, why do you consider it that? Well, you might say, we have a great morning service, or we have two or three morning services. You might even say, well, we have had all these programs. But I would simply ask you, what is your prayer meeting like? What are your prayer programs in your church? What kind of prayer ministries do you have? In fact, many today don't even have a Sunday evening service. And of course, long ago, the Wednesday night or whatever night of the week it was, the corporate prayer meeting was canceled. Even those who have a prayer meeting find that it's mostly a Bible study with very little prayer. If you do not have a beautiful, vibrant prayer ministry in your church, and I say this to myself as well as to you, then you do not have a great church in the sight of God. A great church is a praying church in obedience to his command. A great Christian in the sight of God is a praying Christian. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. If you don't pray, you faint. A great Christian is going to make a difference. This is the Christian who prays. And we sing hymns like Sweet Hour of Prayer, but when we look at the question like Jesus asked, what could you not watch with me one hour? We have to say, when was the last time I ever prayed for an hour? Or was even in a one-hour prayer meeting? It's a sad state of affairs today in the church when God is waiting to send revival. He is waiting. Waiting until we become desperate enough to quit depending on our plans, our programs, and all of our seminars and all the other things, good as they may be, that seek to motivate one another to do things we instead must just get down on our face before God and start praying, praying in desperation, knowing that that's the only answer. Only God can solve the problems of today, praying, seeking his face in heartfelt obedience so that we don't faint. Prayer is asking and receiving. There are two parts to prayer, your part and God's part, my part and God's part. Our part is to ask, God's part is to answer. If we do our part, God will do his part. Prayer is an invitation. God says in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me and I'll answer you. I'll show you great and mighty things which you do not know. How slow we are to ask. We worry, we wrangle, we scheme, we slave, we pout, we plan. But we don't ask. And James says you have not because you ask not. Isn't that a strange and shameful way to treat Almighty God's invitation? And how quickly we give up in prayer. I'm guilty of that too. I remember remember reading about a food editor of a newspaper who took a telephone call one day. The voice on the other end of the line said, how long do you roast a 20-pound turkey? 
Just a minute, she replied as she turned to consult her cooking chart. Thanks, said the caller, and hung up. Many of us are like that caller. We have a problem. We pray, but then we don't wait for the answer. And then we do it the wrong way. That's why many prayers are not answered. We don't pray for an hour anymore. We don't even pray one minute or five minutes. In prayer, we accept God's invitation to allow him to employ his wisdom, his wealth, his work in the alleviation of all our distresses. It's like opening the door to a doctor's office and turning the sick one over to his compassionate care. It's like opening the door to a billionaire and allowing him to grant his wealth to meet needs. It's not coaxing or coercing God, but giving him permission to help us as his wisdom, power, and love directs when we confess that we have nothing. Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. God says he will send revival on his conditions. He promises if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and then I will heal their land, Second Chronicles 7.14. If you truly know him as personal Savior, then the Holy Spirit comes to live within your heart then he himself comes to live within your heart. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Since Jesus prayed that the spirit of prayer will be your spirit, and you will want to pray, and you will want to remain in a spirit of prayer as the Holy Spirit prompts that from within, you'll take various times to pray. You'll certainly attend prayer meetings. You'll be one of the prayer warriors in your church, a prayer partner with your pastor. God is waiting to revive us. Ron Dunn once said, and this is fantastic, listen carefully, prayer is the Christian's secret weapon for the kingdom of God. It is like a missile that can be fired toward any spot on earth, travel undetected at the speed of thought, and hit its target every time. Oh, that God would get us praying and that we would see in these days the answer to the flood of sin and evil that has engulfed our land and invaded the church. Oh, that we would spend time in prayer, that we would be on our faces before God, crying out for his mercy. Revive thy work. Wilt thou not revive us again? Revive me according to thy word. I pray that God will bring a spirit of prayer upon the churches and believers in Canada, in the United States, in North America in these days. I'm asking God to do that in my heart. Will you ask him to do it in yours today? Let's continue seeking the face of God for revival until he answers as only he can in a way that will bring amazement to us and salvation of multitudes of people. Why not start a revival prayer meeting in your church? Remember the revival that started in 1972 in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, swept over much of Canada? It can happen again, but it must begin in you and in me by prayer. I trust the message you just heard was a great blessing to you and uh, maybe we'll be able to minister to you in a spiritual way. Here at uh, Canada's National Bible Hour, we have great concern about those who hear our broadcasts but don't know Jesus Christ personally. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. These are truths from the Word of God. All of us are sinners. 
All of us need a Savior. All of us have done things we're ashamed of. All of us have done things that are wrong, and we know it. But our sins can be forgiven when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Your prayers and gifts will be much appreciated. You can also get a free copy of our booklet entitled Critical Spirit by writing Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And don't forget to visit our website where you can hear past messages of Canada's National Bible Hour. We also have a new radio broadcast that's 24-7. It's an internet uh, broadcast that you can go on our website www.missiongo-radio.org slash radio. And you can listen to not only past messages on Canada's National Bible Hour, but good Christian music, as well as other Christian messages who can share Bible doctrine with you each day. We also ask that you continue to please remember us in your prayers And we trust the Lord will continue to bless you throughout this next week.